I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Coffee. Here's my coffee. The Bible and Page. And that would be me. Today we're going to be going into Revelation chapter 7. Uh, I've mentioned before how Revelation is a puzzling book for me in many ways. And I think it's primarily because it's so much of it, it's apocalyptic literature. And it's uh, full of symbolism and everything. And it's, so it's kind of hard to me to make sense of what the symbolism means. There are two primary schools of thought. Uh, those being that Revelation is... Um, much of Revelation is pointing to a time in our future when there will be a seven-year tribulation followed by the, uh, the, uh, by the return of the Lord, preceded by the rapture of the church. And the other primary point of view is that Revelation is prophetic, but primarily to those to whom it was written in that first century, uh, they, towards the end of the first century and into the second century. And uh, both have really good arguments made for them, and I haven't made up my mind. But that doesn't stop me from looking at it and applying it, principles that I get from it into my life. And so that's what we're going to do. So let's take a look at chapter 7, shall we? I'll read it first, and then we'll chat a bit. After this, oh, by the way, there's seven seals. The first six have been opened. He's delaying the opening of the seventh seal just yet. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the Ga tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in the white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow, what a great, great, great chapter. (laughs) First of all, this is all happening before the opening of the seventh seal. Uh, He's opened up the six seals prior to this. Uh, He says he sees four angels holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea and the tree. It's almost, uh, the picture that comes to mind is like the calm before the storm. When uh, I was in Charleston, living in Charleston, South Carolina, and Hurricane Hugo was coming in, the day before Hurricane Hugo landed, it was eerily calm. Um, It was like, it was just very little puffs of wind. And it was was calm before the storm. It's kind of what I get here. Uh, there's no wind blowing. Um, and then another angel comes up who's going to seal the people from this list. Now, at the first reading of this list, I'm thinking, okay, this is the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and uh, so is he only talking about Israel in this list? Only Israel is getting sealed. And something very curious popped out at me. Every one of these is one of the 12 tribes of Israel, except for Joseph. Joseph is not listed as one of the 12 tribes. Joseph was a descendant of Abraham, yes. But the 12 tribes of Israel included somebody that's missing here, and that tribe is Dan. And And I'm thinking to myself, why is Dan missing and Joseph is inserted? I think there's a couple reasons. First of all, um, perhaps Dan, since the tribe of Dan was involved in idolatry from their very beginning in the promised land, when they first went to a city to take a city to live there, they went into that city's priest, Micah, his name was, and they took his idols and they kept his idols and they used them from the very beginning. So from the very beginning, the tribe of Dan was involved with idolatry. And if you know anything about the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me. Number one, I am the Lord your God. You will have no other God before me. Maybe that's the reason Dan is not listed in these 12. So why is Joseph listed? Interesting. I'm so glad you asked. You ask all the right questions. Joseph, if you remember the story, was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ended up in Egypt. And he ended up being a servant of Pharaoh, correct? Remember that story? And uh, he helps the Pharaoh weather a time of famine. 
and he interprets the Pharaoh's dreams. He's faithful to the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh rewards him by elevating him to a position of power that's second only to that of the Pharaoh himself, which plays an important role because we know that Joseph is going to save his family. But the important thing that relates to this is that Pharaoh gave Joseph an Egyptian wife and Joseph had children with this Egyptian wife. So Joseph's children were not of Jewish extract. They're only half Jewish. And I think that's why Joseph's included on this list. There's room for Gentiles. There's room for Samaritans. There's room for Jews in the kingdom of God. And you know, in, in uh, Ephesians 2, it says here, uh, Paul says that, um, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's where Joseph comes in in this list. Joseph had married an Egyptian wife and his children were not of pure Jewish blood. And as he is included in this list, that's the doorway to include Gentiles. So I think this list of 12 tribes and 12,000 from each were sealed. 12 is, from what I understand, and I'm not a great expert in numerology, 12 is a number of completion. So this is a complete list. In other words, there's representatives from all around the world included in this list, included in this crowd of uh, people that are listed here. Does that make sense? So there's room for Gentiles here. And that's why I think Joseph's included and Dan is excluded. Now, verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. This This is Ephesians. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There's no more Jew-Gentile. There's just family of God. And Joseph was included in this list, I believe, to represent all those who were not of Jewish blood. Sealed. And we know that uh, when Paul talks about being sealed by the Holy Spirit, it's a permanent seal. It's, it's, we're, the seal of the Holy Spirit is our down payment proof that God is going to save us to the uttermost. And that includes Gentiles. And the wall between Gentiles and Jews have been shut down, broken down. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile. There's just the family of God. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Hmm. Every nation, tribe, people, and language. Again, everybody's represented in this crowd. Every tribe every people, every language. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne. They worshiped God. And then the elder says, Those, these people in white robes, these people from every tribe and nation, um, where are they from? Who are they? And he says, Lord, you know these are those who come out of the great tribulation. Now, two point, two schools of thought primarily. One is a historicist point of view. We've talked about this, or, the, or maybe the preterist point of view. 
and one's the future's point of view. The future's point of view says this stuff, this is a prophetic picture of what's to come. There's going to be a great tribulation. We're going to see later on in Revelation that apparently there's going to be a seven, that there was a seven year framework for this, that there will be a great tribulation after which the Lord will return. And in that great tribulation, believers in God will be killed, murdered, executed, hunted, if you will. And this crowd before the throne would be those people. Now, the historicist or the the, uh, preterist point of view would say that this great tribulation really is the tribulation from the beginning of the church until God calls a finish to it all. Now, before you go off half-cocked and you're screaming blasphemy and running into the streets with your pitchforks and, and torches to, to hang me, think about this for a second. If, let's see if I have it here. Uh, I don't have my book here. Pretend you're an author and you've written a book, okay? And you're holding that book in your hand. Now, you being the author, you know beginning, middle, and end all at once. It's all now to you. This is going to be a little weird. Hold with me. Hang with me here. You're the author of this story, this book, and you know it all right now, beginning, middle, end. But the people in this book have to live their story a page at a time, and they don't know what the next page brings. They don't know what the next chapter brings, but you do. You're the author. It's all now to you. And... If the story included the persecution and the terror inflicted upon the protagonist or the the, the heroes of your story from beginning to the end of the story, it would all be one great tribulation in your mind the author that these people are going through. But for the people that are going through it, they're going from time of tribulation to time of tribulation to time of tribulation. They're living it a page at a time. Now, I'm not saying this because I support one view over the other because I'm still making up my mind. But I can see room for the thought that the great tribulation they're talking about is a tribulation of the church that began with the, inst- with the beginning of the church and will carry through to the end of time. The church will always be persecuted because we don't belong here. We're strangers in a strange land that is hostile to us. We saw that in Peter's epistles, and we see that in in John's epistles. We are the enemy of the prince of the power of the air. He is our enemy, and he will always persecute, and he will always come after us. So the great persecution, the great tribulation, could refer to all the tribulation that everybody's been experiencing from the beginning of the church till God shuts down the show. If I'm the author of a story, the great tribulation could be all the tribulation that's involved. To the people in the story, they're going from period to period to period. And the reason I say that is uh, the people who say there's a great tribulation coming and what's happening today isn't that. I'm thought, I, I keep going to uh, a village in Africa where Christians were lined up and hacked 
to death with machetes by uh, rival tribesmen who hated Christians. I'm thinking of all the Christians who were uh, rounded up and killed in North Korea or maybe even in China where they're put in training camps um, and where the the government breaks in in a church service and arrests the pastor and his family and they're never seen again. That tribulation is a great tribulation to them. Now, is it the great tribulation as spoken of here? I think there's room to wonder. But it matters not in the overall scheme of things in my mind because the truth is this. There are those who will come out of this tribulation who've given their lives for the cause of the gospel. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And they're never gonna hunger, they're never gonna thirst. The sun won't beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. The lamb is their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. This is the end that God has for the church. This, to be part of that crowd. Now, the great tribulation, I don't know. Is there a, is there a pre-tribulation rapture followed by seven years of tribulation, followed by the victorious return of Christ from the east, out of the eastern sky? Don't know. That's the imagery, and that's what we're gonna be seeing coming up. But right now, just know this. This 12 tribes of Israel, this is the part that blew me away. Dan is not excluded. Dan is excluded and Joseph's included in his place. There's room for us. We are on this list, we Gentiles, and we are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. That means we are reserved for heaven. Powerful, powerful stuff. All right, I'm encouraged. I found something from the book of Revelation that blesses me. And um, I'm still puzzled, but I'm also encouraged. That's the God that we serve. With that, I know it's kind of short, but that's all I got for this episode. So I'm gonna show you my coffee one more time just to prove I got it. Mm. God invented coffee because he loves me, I'm convinced. Have a great, wonderful, and glorious day. And I hope that you find comfort in the fact that you are sealed by God's Holy Spirit and you are part of the crowd that will gather around the throne and worship. This is Paige. I'm out of here. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.